Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. I'd like to take one more opportunity to welcome you. Again, I'm Dan Slofer, the discipleship pastor here at Crosswalk. And we'll be getting to our message series in a moment uh, on the monster series on, on zombies, but... Uh, I'm just going to take a little personal time here first before we get started. And uh, just because what's coming up right now in my life is an anniversary of, I don't know, a kind of traumatic event that happened 32 years ago this week. And to make you appreciate, I guess, what it means to me and and stuff is is that you got to remember that I, I grew up in a small Wisconsin farm town where there were many more cows than people and and wasn't even close uh that it was just kind of a you know grew up with good parents who you know took care of me physically took care of me spiritually without a doubt and 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 mentally and emotionally I, I think I was pretty well grounded and they knew what was going on in my life uh they uh, knew what TV shows I would watch or what I would listen to on the radio. And, and they cared about that kind of stuff. And, and I guess now, if you would think about that, you might call a person who grew up the way that I grew up sheltered. And I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily, that they, they were looking out for me. But then uh, came a little bit of the issue, and that is when I was 14, I went away to a prep school. Uh, so I went away for high school, and I lived in the dorm. And, and when I moved into the dorm, I had a lot more freedom. And I wasn't necessarily sheltered anymore. And it was at that time, the end of October, that I, I made a decision that would literally haunt me for the rest of my life. I chose to go see Night of the Living Dead. 1968 movie. It was 1981. But, but I decided I am, I am going uh, to go see this movie. And it was an hour and 35 minutes of sheer horror uh, as I was watching this movie that it, that it just blew me away. And it was six minutes into the movie that I encountered my first zombie. I didn't know what a zombie was. And evidently, neither did the people in the movie Because Johnny, the guy who was going with his sister Barbara to the grave of their father in Pennsylvania, when they saw the the first zombie, they didn't know it was a zombie. And so they were kind of making fun. And Johnny went over there. And next thing you know, Johnny's dead. And Barbara's running away from the zombie. But they learned something quickly that I also learned with them just as quickly. And that was how to tell when a person is a zombie. And and usually you can tell if you get close enough, which you don't want to do. You can tell because their their skin is, is pale. When you get close to them, you can see usually an open wound. And that wound was most likely the way that they died in the first place. But but let's face it, we don't want to get that close to a zombie. So you have to be able to tell them from a distance. 
And so you need to learn that zombies don't walk. Zombies kind of drag themselves around. I mean, it resembles walking, but it, they, they drag themselves around with so much effort. That is until they get close to you. And then all of a sudden they have this superhuman strength, evidently. And, and so if you can't tell by those things, the, the one thing that usually gives it away is the blood that's running down their face from feeding on human flesh. Right? That's how we know who the zombies are. And I'm telling you... Just so you know, I'm a scaredy cat, okay? I watched that entire movie like this. Like, looking between my fingers is, is going to help keep these zombies away from me. That, that in movies, in that movie, in any other horror movie for that matter, I'm the person you want to sit next to if you want to laugh at the person sitting next to you. Because I'm the person who jumps. I'm the person who knows it's coming, knows it's coming, but still gets scared anyways. And for that reason, I, 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 try, I try to stay away. I, I do not go to scary movies. I don't go to any scary movies. I'm not going to pay someone to scare me. And I thought I was safe. I thought I could live my life that way. Thank you, Liz Schrader, for that myth, dispelling that yesterday at Trunk or Treat. Next thing I know, there's 25 zombies. And who would have known that zombies, one thing they do like, they love Michael Jackson. Who would have known? Thriller. They love the thriller music, and it just kind of brings out the zombie in them, and, and they go into their little zombie-looking dance. Yeah. Of course, joking about the zombies, but it's interesting because zombies, when I was young, zombies, you know, you want to stay away from them because they're, uh, like, trying to kill you. But now, it, it was interesting yesterday at Trunk or Treat to see how many zombies there were. That, that you would see this, this little girl coming in a, in a wedding dress. Oh, that's nice. You're coming as a bride? No, I'm coming as a zombie bride. See my wounds? You know, how, how bad it is? Or another boy. Oh, are you a pirate? No, I'm a zombie pirate. And it, of course, when he got closer, you could see all those different things. And we like zombies. We have movies about zombies. Zombies are in our commercials. Of course, zombies, I mean, they're not alive, but they still need a cell phone. Seriously, Sprint, uh, got to go have your cell phone to communicate with the other zombies, evidently. So, so we look at it, and, and what has happened is this whole idea of zombies has kind of become hip, and it's something that people are, are drawn to for one reason or another. And I would be willing to maintain that, that as you look at it, it, it's not just the way that zombies look, and that's kind of fun with the whole Halloween thing. But there's also something about them being not dead and not alive that kind of blurs the line between life and death. And I think it's one way for people, especially people who don't know Jesus, a way for them to kind of look at death and try to handle it and maybe try to get their arms around it in a way that they start to think about people who die and, and this concept that they are worried about death and they, and they want someone who dies to come back to them. But when they think about that way that they could come back to them, it all goes bad. 
Today, as we look into God's word, we are going to look at life and death issues. We are going to, to see what God has to say about life. And I think once we do that, as we look clearly at what he says about death, and even more importantly, what he says about life, it'll help us come to a better understanding of who we are. See, this was an issue. It was an issue for years. This, this goes back before there was any talk or anyone even said what a zombie was. It goes back a couple thousand years ago. There were issues with life and death. And, and that was in the city of Corinth. And, and that's the, the lesson we have. It's from 1 Corinthians 15. If you'd like to open your Bibles to that right now, or uh, you can look on your sermon notes or on your phone or however you'd like to look at it. But it's 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And you see what happened in Corinth is there was this misunderstanding about life and death and, and what happens when a person dies. And we don't know exactly what caused the problem, but I would be willing to maintain that it had to do with a, a certain sect of Judaism. You see, there, there were different uh, groupings in, inside of the Jewish faith. Some of them maybe you've heard of are called Pharisees. And others were called Sadducees. And, and the Sadducees were a group that, again, claimed to follow the Jewish faith, but they did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. And so they believed that when a person died, that was it. I mean, that, then it was over. And so I don't know if there were Sadducees that as they went from not only Jerusalem, but throughout the world and to different synagogues, maybe uh, colored the way that the people understood life and death. I don't know for sure. But what I do know is that when Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote this letter to them, he wanted them to understand clearly that there is life after death. There is such a thing as eternal life. And the reason why they should know that is because Jesus, their Savior, came and rose from the dead. And so this is what he wrote. 1 Corinthians 15, beginning with the 20th verse. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resur resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For he has put everything under his feet. See, as, as Paul was writing to, to these people in Corinth, he wanted to let them know that absolutely for sure there is a resurrection from the dead there is life after death but this life after death isn't like a zombie it's not coming back where your body in some way is made alive but but you're not really there no it's nothing like that at all and all they needed to do was to look to christ's resurrection to better understand their own and so today, again, as we go through this, it's worthy of our time. It's worthy of our study. As we, we think about this concept of the zombie, of, of being both dead and alive at the same time, that we will see that it's something that, that the Bible, that, that God shares with us and wants us to know what's going on. 
we can go to Ecclesiastes 12, verse 7, and, and it starts by a look at what death is. Ecclesiastes 12, 7 says, And the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. This is a very important verse, and it's one that, that I hope you would take with you so that when a person dies, that you are clear exactly what's happening. Again, I'll read it again. The dust returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. And so in your fill-in, you can write, earthly death is separation of body and soul. Earthly death is separation of body and soul. As I say that to you, the, the reason why I share that is when I, when I read these words, that to me, it doesn't make death quite so scary. When you realize it's not the end, it's, it's not the, the person ceasing to exist, but it's simply going through this process where the body is left behind and the soul, the spirit, goes to be with God. I don't know if the, the funeral customs we have help us to, uh, to see this truth. And it's just been interesting being down in Arizona because Arizona funerals, I don't know if you realize, they are really different than funerals in the Midwest. And one thing I've noticed here is that when there is a, a, someone dies, that I would almost all the time, there's a cremation. Okay, so they're cremated. And then what happens is there's a funeral sometime when the family can get there. So there have been funerals that I've been to where the person's been dead for a couple weeks already. And yeah, that's just when everyone could get together and that's when we could do the service. And, and then when you go there, there's a picture of that person and, and you kind of have the service and, and you remember them and, and you remember God's promises. And, and it just seems, well, I, I'll just say different because it is different from what I'm used to. Because when I was a pastor in Wisconsin, I would say that on average, I would say 80 to 90% of the time there was a funeral, there was a body. And, and so if you're going to have the body at a funeral, that funeral needs to happen within three to four days. And, and so what would normally happen is there would be the, the, the funeral arrangements, there would be some type of a visitation the night before the funeral. And, and there you would have the, the casket there, the, the open casket, and the family would come and, and friends would come and they would go and, and talk to the surviving family and, and you would usually stand there and, and uh, look at the dead body. And if you were nice, you would probably say something like, oh, they look really good, don't they? Except they're dead. And, and, and so you kind of do that. And I think it's a way maybe that you're able to say, you know what? That this person that was very important to me in my life or this person that I cared about, that now seeing them, what I realize is their body is here, but they're not. And I would say that for me anyways, that custom is helpful to say, you know what's happened? Body and soul have now separated. And the truth of this verse is seen. Now we know that they have gone somewhere else. And especially as we think about the comfort we have as Christians, we know what, what God tells us is, is that we go to be with him. Again, the first part as we look at death and consider it is that as we look at it, at exactly what happens, 
uh, that it's not just the end, but simply the separation of body and soul. But there's another kind of death. And, and the verse we'll look at for that is John 3, verse 18. It says, whoever believes in me, this is from John 3. Uh, remember, this is when Nicodemus is coming. This is when Jesus made the promise, you know, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, all of that. And, and this is what Jesus said then. Whoever believes in him, whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. And, and so now what we're looking at is a little bit different type of death. And, and this is now this condemnation. It doesn't mean that a person is necessarily going to hell right away, but it means that they are condemned, that this judgment, they, the sacrifice of Christ is one that they don't take advantage of. They don't believe. Therefore, they are condemned. And so in your notes, the, the way that I would say it is this. Spiritual death is separation from God. Spiritual death is separation from God. This passage isn't in your notes, but it's in Isaiah 59, verse 2. This is what Isaiah said. But your iniquities, your sin, have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Spiritual death is separation from God caused by sin. The thing about it is, is when you think about spiritual death, separation from God, some people don't necessarily see that as bad. I think of specifically a Bible story, the Bible story of the lost son. Remember, he's the one who was the younger of the two sons, and he no longer wanted to live in his father's house. So he said, give me my share of the inheritance. And and so the father gave him the share of the inheritance, and, and he left, right? And at that time, he was separated from his father. And, and, and sometimes there are people, if they have these types of relationships in life where, where they want to be separated from them, they might even say something like, you know what, you're dead to me. Uh, that, that I don't even consider you. I'm separating myself from you for the rest of my life. You might as well be dead. And that's what the son did. That's what the son wanted. He wanted to get all the blessings he could, all the riches that he could from his father, but then he wanted to be separated from his father. Because being separated from your father is awesome. It's awesome when you have tons of money, isn't it? You get to go and you get to do what he did. He went and wasted all the money with wild living. He's like, this is the best. And and then what happens is, is when you have that separation, and then all of a sudden the gifts that came from his father were gone that he realized being separated from your father is not such a good thing. And so it is with spiritual death that being separated from God can seem like a good thing for a while because we don't have all the rules. He's not telling us what to do. I don't have to to live with him making me feel guilty with all his rules. But ultimately, separation from God ends not just in spiritual death, but spiritual death for eternity, which is also called hell. Eternal separation from God. But then the next verse makes it really interesting. Ephesians 2, verse 1 and 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to 
live. Do you see where the zombie part comes here? So so you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. So now you have this dual thing going on where these people were spiritually dead, spiritually separated from God, but yet they were physically alive. Dare I say we call that being a spiritual zombie? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. So like a zombie, many are spiritually dead, but physically alive. Hate to be the one to tell you, but the zombie apocalypse has already taken place. They are among us. The zombies are everywhere. Maybe you didn't realize that. See, it would be easy if their faces were pale and they had wounds. You could see themselves and they were just dragging themselves around, right? But how do you recognize a spiritual zombie? Sometimes maybe you can tell by looking in their eyes. That, that one who has been separated from God long enough that you look and, and there's a glaze uh, that is sparked. But you can't always tell that. You could tell if you looked in their heart. Jesus definitely could. Jesus knew who they were. They were dead on the inside. And he would go and he would identify that. He, he, he pointed that out. But ultimately, the way that you can tell a spiritual zombie is by the way that they act. You've seen that. You've read that in the Bible, haven't you? Ten ways to identify a spiritual zombie that that God gives us. Well, of course, maybe you know it as the Ten Commandments. but, But ten ways to recognize a zombie, right? The way that you can tell the spiritual zombie is that they are not going to love the Lord with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their strength. And they're not going to love their neighbor as themselves. Easy to identify, right? So all you need to do is, as you listen and as you watch what's going on in their lives, that that if they do not know who the Lord is, they're dead. That if they're using God's, misusing God's name, they're dead. They're a zombie, even if they're walking around. And if they do not go to feed on God's word, but go other places in order to get their nourishment, they're a spiritual zombie. If they don't love their parents and show respect for authority, zombie, are you kidding me? They don't value life, except maybe their own. Spiritual zombie, especially if they don't value the life of the young, the old, and those who are hurting and those who are weak. They have no regard for marriage and for their spouse, zombie, When it comes to possessions, if all they care about are their own possessions, spiritual zombie, easy. They talk bad about others. If they covet, if they want just more and more and more, spiritual zombie. Easy, right? Problem is this, the zombie apocalypse has taken place. But the problem is, is all of those ways that we should be able to identify them, identify me as the zombie. Because I realize all of those things that I went through, I am guilty of. I am, you are. You have the zombie within, the spiritual zombie that is dead. That is dead to God and, and doesn't truly love God or anyone else and is not capable of it. The zombie apocalypse has taken place and you've been affected. 
question always in the zombie movies, isn't it, is how did this happen? And it's important for us today to, to understand this too. That's what, what Paul is telling the Corinthians when he says this, 1 Corinthians 15, 21 and 22. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, and it goes on to say that in Christ we are raised. But, but notice, it, it identifies the cause. This would be patient zero or whatever they would call it. And that is exactly the first person was, who was a spiritual zombie. In Romans 5, same thing in verse 12 when it says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way death came to all men because all sinned. Again, a very important thing as we look at this, and it takes us back to Genesis 3, which is a place we go often because it's so important. It was there that God told Adam and Eve, if you eat of the fruit of the tree, you are going to die. And what happened? They ate of the tree, but yet they continued to live physically and spiritually. They were separated from God, and they even showed it. What did they do? They went and hid from God. They wanted to stay separated from God because being close to him made them think and aware of their own sin. And definitely, God would be aware of it too. And so as we look at this in the blank, we know the cause of our problem. But we need God to send us the cure. We know the cause of the problem, but we need God to send us the cure. You ever think, like in zombie movies, you know, you're watching them and uh, maybe if they would try to take a zombie and, and try to give them a little bit of culture and say, you know what, zombie, you need to change a little bit. First thing is, what's the deal with your clothes? Seriously, is, is it written somewhere that if you're a zombie, your clothes need to be ripped? Get a suit, dude. Seriously, look good. Um, get some new clothes walking around, okay? So that... Uh, the other thing is, I don't know if you've ever heard of something called makeup or maybe uh, something to, to sew up your wound or something. It's nasty looking. So, so why don't you put a little makeup on so you, so you look a little better? Okay? The next thing, too, is when you walk by a don't, another person, don't bite them. It's just not, we don't go around biting people. And I know you're hungry and stuff like that, but... Uh, what is it? People are friends, not food. Yeah, something like that. Where, where you say that's not what you do. And, and so maybe if we taught zombies to follow the, the rules of our culture, that they would be more socially acceptable and then there wouldn't be a problem anymore. That's like craziness, isn't it? I mean, when you think about that, it's just ridiculous. But isn't that what we try to do with spiritual zombies? With, with people that are spiritually dead but physically alive, how can we always go to the rules? The, and and I, I mentioned the 10 ways, right, to identify the zombies. There they are. And, and it's like, well, maybe if I kept those, I wouldn't be a zombie anymore. No, that's not a cure. That's, that might be, at best, a Band-Aid. But it's not a cure. And so it is as we look at our spiritual condition. The way that we act isn't going to change what we are. And that is why the cure needed to come through a person. And that person was Jesus Christ. 
In 1 Corinthians 15, 20 to 23, Paul writes, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. The first part of this, as we look at this, is a physical part. Remember, there's physical death and there's spiritual death. And as we look at the physical part of it, we know Paul was there. We have eyewitnesses of the fact that Jesus Christ physically rose from the dead. We know why he died. He lived a perfect life as a substitute for you, as a substitute for me. He came to pay the penalty of sin. That is where the cure starts. It's not in changing our actions, but it's in changing our hearts. The cure came in in bringing back the separation from God. And there was a physical component to that. And so Jesus lived on this earth. That is true man and true God. And as he lived the perfect life, it was time for him to make the sacrifice for sin. That's the way the cure took place. And so he went to the cross and he died. And we know that he died, that he hung there. We know it. When the spear was put in him, blood and water flowed down. Jesus was dead and they put him in a tomb. Jesus died. But three days later, Jesus rose again. And so that is the message we preach. That is, that is the, the one thing that made Jesus different from everyone else. That he rose from the dead. He beat death. He has the power physically over death through a physical resurrection. And the promise is that because Jesus rose, we also will rise. It says that he was the first fruits. When I think of the first fruits, I think of when we used to bale hay. And, and usually what would happen is, uh, as you had the spring and then getting into the summer, you would have the first cut of hay. It all depended on how, how the seasons were, uh, wet and moisture and all that. But usually sometime in June, we would bale the first uh, thing of hay. But then there would always be a second crop and a third crop because it would grow up again. And so we would cut it again and bale it again. But there was always a time period between the first crop and the second. There always was. And that is what Paul was trying to tell these people because what was happening is this, is they were told there's a resurrection, but you know what? My dad's been dead for three days and four days and five days and six days. And you know what? He's not coming back. So what's the deal? If Jesus rose three days later, why isn't my dad? Why isn't my brother? Why isn't this person that's close to me? And and that's why he told them, no, the time will come. And it's going to be at the end of time when Jesus returns. This body and soul that have been separated are going to be rejoined just like Jesus. Body and soul separated, body and soul brought back together. That is the physical resurrection we have to look forward to. But in the meantime, we also have this. John 11, 25 and 26. Jesus speaking to Martha on the death of her her brother says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Again, Jesus pointing to the physical resurrection. But now when he's talking about life and death, he's talking also in spiritual terms. The one who lives by believing in me. The one who lives and believes in me. 
And so what he's telling her is, you know what? Lazarus has been given a gift, and that gift is spiritual life. It's eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. And even though he's going through this separation of body and soul, that doesn't affect any type of separation with God. Paul also would write, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or danger or nakedness or sword? And then he goes on and he describes all these different things, neither height nor depth nor the present nor the future, life nor death, any powers in all creation. Nothing will separate you from the love of Christ. You are not going to spiritually die. Which means that now you, through faith in Jesus Christ, are enjoying eternal life now. Your eternal life has already begun through faith in Jesus Christ. You are alive and nothing is going to change that. God has his arms around you, encourages you that no matter what comes in life, he will be with you. We'll see what that meant for Paul's life in a moment. But in the blank, Christ's resurrection assures me of my resurrection. All of us will go through that. We will all go through death, that separation, and all be resurrected as well. What a great, what a great promise from our great God. But we still have to deal with death, and I know that's scary. And Paul knew that. And so he said, in 1 Corinthians 15, 25, he said, For he must reign, talking about Jesus reigning, he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for he has put everything under his feet. Okay, so this is, this is the interesting part, and I don't know if you ever think about it this way, but Jesus has beaten death. Okay, that's great. But now as we look at death, I want you to think about death. First of all, when, when, when God told Adam... That if you eat of the fruit of the tree, you're going to die. That's a punishment, right? Death is a punishment. But I want you to also think for Christians that death is a gift. And I couldn't imagine living the rest of my life until Jesus returned. Well, maybe I will. But, but imagine if a person was a thousand years old and continuing to live. Back pain, headaches watching your grandchildren's grandchildren's grandchildren make the same mistakes that, you know, generation after generation. I've only been alive 46 years, and it drives me crazy. I can't imagine what it would be like to watch that a decade and, and decade and, and century and millennia going on and on. And so it's a gift. It's a gift that God gives us that our soul and body separate and our spirit goes to be with him. And whenever I teach this, I use this example. I'll probably use it again because I like it. And, and it was in confirmation class. And we were talking, fifth commandment, we were talking about death and life. And I said, imagine if Jesus were to come into the room right now. And, and Jesus were here and it's, hey, Jesus, what's up? Hey, what's up with you? You know, just talking with Jesus. And then he said, here's the deal, you guys. I'm going to make, you guys are awesome. You're in confirmation class. And so... I'm going to make a one-time deal for you guys. And that is, the door that's leading out of this house actually is leading right into heaven. So if you walk out this door, you'll walk right into heaven. And I'm going to let anyone here today who wants to go 
go through that door. And so I immediately push children down as I run for the door and I jump through. Yes! Made it! Woo! And of course, I'd leave my cell phone back in the room. So one of the kids has to call uh, Mrs. Salofra. Hey, yeah, I'm calling from confirmation class. Yeah, Jesus was here. It's kind of a crazy class, actually. And um, he uh, offered anyone who wants to go to heaven could go right to heaven. And uh, just want to let you know, uh, Pastor went. Goodbye. <laughs> I just get this feeling and my wife might be a little unhappy with me. Nice. So you went to heaven. I have three kids in college, two in high school, and you take time. You're going to leave? Are you kidding me? She would be mad at me for an eternity, I think. Honey, I would never do that to you. Uh, but so what God does is this. is He says, how about this? How about if I decide when you go through the door? And I will use my all-knowing, my omniscience to make it be the right time. And then if your spouse, if your parents, if your children are upset with the timing, let them be unhappy with me. And, and just maybe through their relationship with me and, and the trust they have, they'll learn that, that I know what I'm doing and they can put their trust in me. Say, okay, God, that's... Because that's why Jesus hasn't destroyed death yet. The reason why God hasn't destroyed death yet is death is doing God's work of bringing people into heaven. The thing that was meant to separate us from God eternally is now the method through which Jesus brings us through the doorway into heaven. Jesus has defeated death and he will nail that door shut and burn it down once all of his children have walked through into perfection leaving their sinful bodies and their hurts and their aches and all of sin behind, and we will be with him forever. That's sweet. And, and that's what it means, uh, that Christ uses death and will one day destroy it. And then finally, Paul writes this. He, he writes in 1 Corinthians 15. So just after this, he said, If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? If the dead were not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. He's saying, if there's no resurrection, seriously, if there's not a resurrection, you might as well party until you die. And and just have as much enjoyment as you can in this world, if this is the end of it. It's no wonder that people who don't know what Christ has lived that way live as zombies. He's saying, that makes perfect sense to me. But you know what? Paul says, I don't care if people try to separate my body and soul as a way to get me from, away from my God, the thing that really scares me is this, separ- this possibility that I could be separated from my God. And so what I am going to do in my life, I am going to make decisions in my life and choices that are going to strengthen that relationship, that, that show that that is the thing that matters to me most. And if it's facing some wild beasts, uh, that I, uh, that's going on because of my faith and my relationship with him, that's fine. If it means that I'm, I'm going to go through loss, I don't care. Because this is the only thing that matters. It's the only thing that I have. It's a gift from God that is eternal. It's the only thing that will never be taken away. And it helps us live our lives with purpose. And it does the same for you. As you think about the choices that show the most important thing which is that relationship with Christ. He has his arms around you. He strengthens that relationship through his word and wants you to value it as well.
our final then is, is just to look at your future. Just so you know, your plans for what's going on, this is what's coming. Today, I am spiritually alive. In the truest sense of the word, you are not a zombie. You are alive, spiritually alive through faith in Jesus Christ, through the work of the Holy Spirit, working through God's word, you are alive. But the next one is also true. One day, I will physically die. One day, your soul and body will separate and your spirit will, be, will go to be with God. And you do not need to be afraid of that day. That's what's going on. The third one, despite physical death, my spiritual life, or I would, you could say eternal life, continues. That even through that separation of body and soul, which can be a very scary time, that the relationship with God will remain strong. That, that will not stop in any way. And then finally, one day my body and soul will be reunited. And that'll be on the last day. And that'll be a good day. And that will be a day that you will be able to remember and celebrate for an eternity as you live with the Lord in heaven. I leave you with the, with the memory verse of the day, one that I already read, John eleven twenty five and 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. You can believe So before we close, if you want more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, just go online to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at 9 and 11 a.m. at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline. Visit our website for directions. And now, back to some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we know that we live in a world in which there are people who are uh, spiritually dead, but physically alive. And all of us were there at one time. Uh, we, we understand that, but we know that through Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit, you have made us alive. And for that, Lord, we thank you. Now help us as we live our lives uh, to live with confidence, but also to, to live valuing our relationship with you most of all. And so let nothing separate us from you. Let nothing separate us from your love in Christ Jesus. And help us now to live in service to you in everything that we do. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.